Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. What's going on, man? Oh, man, this is good. Well, we're recording with Tom Askell. We had, we we just got done recording an hour-long conversation yep, yep. with Tom Askell, one of the guys behind the statement on social justice, the statement on the gospel and social justice. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, yeah, we had some questions for him. He uh, he gave some pushback. We uh, Ultimately, what uh, we, we really we wanted... We a few things. We, what we want to do is, and we're, we're trying to have a couple of these follow-ups on the statement. We want to give people room to talk. We want to try to understand, right? So you guys know, if you listen to our episode, we're not signing that statement. Um, you know, we don't like the idea of signatures being affixed to it. Uh, we think, that, you know, by by attaching the, the the signatures to it, it becomes more of a you know pick a side. Um, and I don't know that it helps in conversation to have the statement. Yeah. yeah. But um, but the statement itself is generating a lot of attention and some conversations and a lot of stupid things being said on both sides as well. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to say, let's, let's talk with like, who's the most gracious guy? Who's the most chill? And it happens to be a guy that we know. So, yeah. oh, and <laughs> really, you, you, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, well, Joe, I mean, you know, you I know I've known him for years. You know him really close and other people, uh, you don't know on, him on, online. We're like, oh, oh, since you guys are so close. Oh, to I know. Yeah. yeah Which yeah, we yeah, talk yeah. about that with Tom. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we actually had the conversation. Here it is. You get to enjoy it. Uh, some of you might not think that uh, we said enough or did enough, but we don't really care what you think. Uh, <laughs> this is our podcast. It's our podcast. We All right, Ed Stetzer. So here's here's the thing. Um, we had a really good conversation. Tom is a brother. We love him. We know him. Yeah. I know his heart. I know his life. So and I, he's I, chill. He's chill. Like he ain't all aggro. So here is our discussion with Pastor Tom on the statement on social justice and the gospel. Uh, we get to hear his perspective, and he interacts with some of our questions and concerns. We hope that it is beneficial to you, and we hope that you will have uh, that kind of an approach to this issue, that you're willing to listen and talk yeah. and not be embarrassed or afraid to say what it is that you actually think. Absolutely. Enjoy. Enjoy. Well, Pastor Tom, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to um, to talk to Jimmy and I uh, about the Emphasis statement. on Jimmy first. Yep, Jimmy, I yeah, like Jimmy that. and uh, I. I'm That's just the polite the way that you do it, Jimmy. Always so at the beginning. We're, um, Isn't it Jimmy and me, though? Uh, Jimmy, oh. having a conversation with me. It would be Jimmy oh. and me. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for correcting my grammar. Thank Tom. you so Good much, night. Tom. This is oh, well, so this is, worth this, it. This, this is starting this is off great. Worth everything. I, I, we had disagreements I before, I but find a comma in there to criticize. <laughs> oh. <laughs> did you did you like my uh, my little observation on the Oxford comma? Come on, that was you liked that. Didn't <laughs> that you? was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That's good. <laughs> they didn't have Brian Malcolm editing that document. No, no, they, did they not. would not. He would not have missed that. <laughs> nope. Um, all right, so. Uh, Tom, um, well, first of all, you're 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 down in Florida. Um, what's it, what's correct. what's the weather like going on right now? How are you guys doing? Oh yeah, the hurricane. Yeah, it's hot and wet, and the hurricane is not affecting us. Oh, all right then. Oh, so, so is this so north President of you? Trump was right? It's going to get wetter. Yeah, it got really wet <laughs> uh-huh. and in and 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 hot and hot. Yeah, Man, so there our, you go. Our president's on top. He's of a it. meteorologist. Well, we can't tell any difference down here. Oh, yeah. That's the way it is well, during the I'm glad four you're, or five months of the summer. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, we're glad, we're glad that you wonderful. guys are safe. And um, again, thanks for, for, for taking time uh, to talk to us about the statement, and not just about the statement uh, on social justice, but also on the uh, the impact and the response, because you know that's 
that's really what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. You know, um, when when we saw that this was coming out, and of course, Jimmy and I saw it through you because you're one of the guys that we read a lot and we, we tend to pay attention to you. Uh, we were immediately interested and intrigued. And then, you know, we each read it separately. Yeah. And, but we each thought, uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's about to go down. Somebody's going to get mad. Somebody's going to get mad. So, you know, in this thing, uh, in this statement, you address uh, your concerns in the preface, right? Like what led you to write it. Right. Now, for you personally, uh, where were you seeing those dangers that you talk about um, manifest themselves among evangelicals and among Southern Baptists in particular. So maybe you could just, uh, for the, our listeners, highlight what some of those dangers are that you guys are seeing and where you saw them, and maybe even give some l- examples. You don't have to name a person, so that's yeah. fine with us, uh, but maybe give some examples of where you see those uh, dangers happening among us. Yeah. Uh, would it be okay, Joe, if I gave you a little bit of background history of how this came on my radar? Permission granted. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy okay, gives you permission. It's, it's legit. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it was probably, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago that, you know, I began to, to hear things from different sectors, stuff I was reading online that just sounded odd to me. I wasn't paying a lot of attention until I uh, did an interview with Colin Hansen, probably in August a year ago or something like mm. that, maybe July. And we just talked about the young restless reform movement among other things. And then I don't even know if this was recorded. I don't think it was, but I asked him, well, man, what do you see coming? You know, what are you, what are your hopes here for the, the next few years? And Colin in the midst of answering that statement m- made a comment that just stuck with me. He said, I don't know that this movement can survive what's coming in public theology. And uh, I began to chew on that a little bit in the weeks mm. after that talk and started l- listening more in, uh, attentively for uh, what he might be referring to. And he, he mentioned several issues that were related to that. So I don't know when it was, but uh, a few months after that, you know, I'm, I'm reading, I'm listening. And um, Tim Keller put up a tweet that said something like this, I used to have it memorized, but it's close to this, that the gospel is not primarily about social justice. It's primarily about God reconciling sinners to himself in oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yep. Remember yeah, that? Yes, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, I read it. I thought, yeah, amen. Okay. And, and then I just, I saw that thing blow up and people got on there and he tried to defend himself. You know, he said, I've said primarily. I said primarily. <laughs> even, that's, <laughs> even that's pretty, you know, I wouldn't even say primarily and I don't, and I, and I won't sign the statement. And yeah. I wouldn't even yeah. say, I would just say the gospel isn't about social justice. That's what That's I would right. say. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, I mean, it was, it was mind boggling to me. And, and so, you know, these people just wouldn't let him up and he finally just quit or it seemed like that, you know, he quit responding online. And I'm looking at this thinking, this is bizarre. Mm. You know, how did we get here? If you're going to take Tim Keller to task for a comment like that, <laughs> the most congenial, socially aware dude on the, among evangelicals, mm-hmm. uh, probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he makes guys like me mad sometimes. But I was blown away. So that alerted me. And then in the aftermath of that, there were some efforts to try to uh, shed more light. Jonathan Lehman wrote what I thought was a very helpful article at TGC. You know, was trying to, to show that what Keller said is, is right, which, mm-hmm. again, I'm thinking, why do we have to defend this? Mm-hmm. But that article got more uh, just an onslaught of criticism. 
And in reading through the criticisms, you know, Anthony Bradley, who's up at King's College, mm-hmm. uh, he's a Westminster guy. He he made the comment, said, here's the truth. It's going to be hard for you to accept. But evangelicalism has never had the gospel. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow. Now, that I read that just like a day or two, a couple of days after R.C. Sproul died. Mm. And, you know, I went to Sproul's funeral. And, and I'm thinking to myself, there are people who are have at least academic credentials that have been in sectors of respectability that are making comments like this. And people were jumping all over it. Mm. That, and, this is uh, what's weird though, Tom, is I've never known Anthony Bradley to ever say anything um, controversial or use hyperbole. I mean, that's, I mean, we, that's weird that he would say something so crazy. Mm. I mean, cause I, you know, I, are you sure it was Anthony Bradley? Yeah, yeah Tom, I don't think well, you can, you can't see Joe, but there's a tongue in his cheek. <laughs> well, no, no doubt. Like I, I actually really enjoyed like reading Anthony Bradley. And I even told him that's the first time I met him in person. I said, I love reading you because, uh, you always make me angry. <laughs> and uh and and but but like i oftentimes learn something so it's good but i yeah. oftentimes really disagree so yeah i can imagine that that would uh that that would not only get your attention but leave in a sense like a a theological mark uh on you that you're yeah. or an, uh, an itch or a scratch or something mm-hmm. right absolutely and uh then you know he I, from him i got to reading some of eric mason stuff online and you know, we've used his book on manhood and love it, and it's been helpful. Oh yeah, but yeah, uh, Eric's a friend. This, yeah, reading it on this stuff was just alarming to me. So that's when I began to try to to broaden out a little bit more and, and uh, listen and, and read more carefully. Mm-hmm. And it was after that then the uh, MLK conference uh, came along. Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah, I listened to some stuff on that. In fact, before the MLK conference, I talked to some friends that are connected uh, with TGC or RC just saying, you know what, how are you going to do this? You know, how are you going to uh, have a conference in the name of a man who from every honest assessment denied essential doctrines of the Mm -hmm. faith, you know, even late in his life, I've read the arguments that said, no, he came back to the faith of his fathers and they're unconvincing. And then also uh, was well known, at least in his inner circle, to be a, a man of very poor uh, sexual uh, morality. Right. And you know, even according to his dearest buddy and Ralph Abernathy, the, the night before he was assassinated, abused a woman uh, because of their sexual liaison. So how are you going to do that? And you know, the the response was, well, we're just going to you know, look narrowly at, at his work as uh, a civil rights leader. You know, which I praise God. Right. MLK and yeah. what how God used him. There's no doubt about that. But it just seems strange to me for evangelical organizations to host a conference in his name. And so, but the, the answer was, yeah, you know, we're a little concerned and yeah, you know, we're, we're not sure, but we're trying to just focus on these things and I thought, okay, you know, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you that. But then these same groups are coming out and they are just castigating uh, Roy Moore and they've been castigating Donald Trump. You know, mm. Neither of which I'm a fanboy of. Okay, I, I, you know, but I can't. I'm, I'm, it looks like different weights and measures right. are being used, mm. and so that alarmed me as well. Just seeing how that whole thing played out, and then hearing about the Reboys Conference and the fact that Nate Collins is the brainchild of that. And, you know, Nate was teaching uh, at Southern Seminary 
in New Testament as an instructor, as I understand it, up until this last spring. Mm. Yeah, I don't know and about thinking, the revoice. I'm not as familiar with the revoice. I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to some of the back and forth, but yeah. I'm not really familiar with it. Well, it's, you know, it was hosted by PCA Church in um, St. Louis, and it basically, I, I don't remember their tagline now, but it was basically uh, trying to argue or, or provide, I don't know, comfort or instruction for those who identify as LBGT and maybe plus, I'm not sure about that. Uh, we're helping them to see that they can be Christians with that kind of identity. And that if you live a celibate light, uh, life, which is at least, I think what they call, I don't know if it's side A or side B, but they, they refer to both sides. One of them is where you have the inclinations and desires the proclivities, the orientation, but you don't act on it physically. And then the other side is you have those orientations and you go ahead and act yeah. on it, but nevertheless, you can still be a Christian. Mm. And so they're promoting this in the PCA. They're promoting this with a guy who, you know, until recently uh, was teaching at our flagship institution, the SBC, and got a PhD from there. And, and as I've heard him say on a, uh, an interview, has held these views for you know, not just the last six months or a year or two, but for years and years, maybe a decade, I think is what he said. And so I'm thinking, what is going on? And then I began to, to you know, read articles. Or, I read, listened to some uh, interviews with guys that are in our institutions, and it just was bizarre. One of the one of the things that was concerning to me was an article that Jarvis Williams from Southern Seminary wrote uh, about intersectionality, where he's promoting it. You know, that this is a great way, a great tool to use to to think about life, and he applied it to himself. That you know, as a uh, a black man who's lived his life mostly in white spaces in the evangelical world and in the reformed world, uh, that he is marginalized because he's black and, but he's not as marginalized as someone who's a black woman, you know? And, and I'm, I'm thinking this guy's got a PhD. He's teaching at Southern seminary and he counts himself marginalized. I, I, there's got, you know, there's more to this. And so he's promoting intersectionality while at the same time, Denny Burke, who also teaches at Southern or Boyce, has written articles against intersectionality, warning us of the poison that it is that's coming into our churches. And so all of that combined, you know, was, was kind of brewing in me and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Some of my closest friends on earth, uh, pastor friends, minister friends, I'm talking to about it. They don't see it. Some of them think I'm crazy and uh, I'm, I'm just not sure, but I'm, I can't be convinced that I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. And, right. Uh, so that's, that's how it all started with me. Those are kind of the, some of the immediate uh, signs that led me into this personally. Well, that's, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm concerned about is, um, you know, like the, one example that you gave is, um, you know, a, a, an SBC uh, entity putting on an MLK 50 conference uh, in light, I mean, doing that, knowing that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, was not uh, an evangelical, uh, gospel-believing man in the way that we are, and um, and was you know had sexual uh, was a sexually immoral man, um, mm-hmm. and like I actually that that I understand. Um, I would have the same concerns uh, if if we're having a theological conference, not a not just a a, a conference on 
uh, on a social issue, but you know, a theological conference, invoking that name, I think, does raise some legitimate concerns. Um, but this goes both ways, right? So, I mean, we, we have to acknowledge a guy like MLK and acknowledge what he did that was good. What is he known for? And that's the primary thing we do need to focus on, I think. But we need to be honest about his shortcomings. And the same applies to our, our white theological heroes, right? That, um, that many of them uh, had, boy, they got the gospel right, uh, but they, they, really, they really didn't really get the race issue right. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, th- many of them were, were either you know, uh, racist or they embraced slavery, um, and so forth. So, you know, like both sides are actually addressing, kind of pointing at, at, at different characters or, or leaders in the past and saying, well, you hold this guy up as a leader, but what about this problem that he, that he had? Um, yeah. And I think we all need to be honest, right, uh, across the board. Like, hey, uh, our, right, but- our people, the people that we're looking to um, among evangelicals uh, had sin issues that we need to address and be honest and not, you know, just promote hagiography. Um, exactly. And it certainly it but would Joe, certainly apply with the, with the social justice thing. But Joe, the way you just framed that argument is not the way that it is being popularly and forcefully framed oh, no, I know. I, by some on the other yeah. side. Mm-hmm. Because you said that these uh, you know, white guys that are dead certainly got the gospel right. Well, that is being rejected now. Uh, they never had the gospel because they were wrong on race, because they uh, either advocated or tolerated or personally participated in slavery. And if that's the case, they could not have had the gospel. That's what's being right. said. And if, and I mean, I would, I would be willing to debate anybody on that point. And again, like I would want to be sensitive to the issue, but sure. you've got to define what the gospel is. Um, you know, and it's like defining anything, defining mission. Um, right. You got to be ruthlessly right. and biblical and clear and, and, and go from there. I, I, listen, we have to be willing to say that uh, whether it's Machen or Whitfield or Edwards or whatever and say mm. like, oh, they had some glaring errors in their theology. Uh, Absolutely. Probably worse than most of us do in, in terms of uh, the degree of heinousness, right? Uh, and, well, and I'm not willing to say that. Uh, oh, I am. Because I don't know where mine are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And I'm certainly not saying a hundred years, give it a hundred years. Uh, we're probably all a little too cold and indifferent to the abortion issue. I think that's probably fair to say. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but boy, uh, the, the, the impact of, of owning slaves, for example, is, 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 mm-hmm, is pretty sure. significant. So fair point there. But, um, so I do think we need to, uh, to, to, to clarify, like, listen, there's a difference between a corrupt theology and, and broken aspects of our doctrine and a denial of the gospel itself. But yeah. definitely, there's a big difference there. And I think I think I don't know, right. uh, Tom. Did you? Did, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see uh, uh, Dr. Moeller's uh, chapel. Um, uh, I did. Yes, I did. And I think he kind of tried framing it in that way as well when he's talking about social justice. Are we talking about uh, you know getting this right as a prerequisite? Uh, right. You know, prerequisite right. fruit or a sign of salvation. Uh, and I, I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about here. Yeah, exactly. And I was very grateful for the way Dr. Moeller uh, spoke about those things. And that is what is needed. That is not that is what was not happening uh, two months ago. Yeah. And so I'm very grateful for that. That's I mean, that's the whole point and purpose of this statement is to start start making uh, some boundaries and calling for clarity on what we mean. So this is something that, you know, um, you know, we we because we hadn't had a chance to talk to you. It came out and we're recording podcasts all the time. Um, some uh, some unhappy dude sent us an email about, you know, why haven't you had Tom on? 
you claim he's a friend. <laughs> you claim he's a friend. Why didn't you have Tom on? Like, well, dude, it just came out. I know like, exactly. And like, I know Tom, you and I have gone, uh, was it 10, 15, 20 years back? When, oh, stop it. Uh, you don't know. Tom first doesn't even our, know your last our, name. Our first book together. I don't know who you are. And I just, uh, you know, I, I, I value our friendship, did Tom. You, did you edit? Uh, I'll see you next did week. Did you edit his critique of uh, traditionalism? Is that Was that you, Jimmy? Did I edit his critique? <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. I don't really edit Tom. You, you pretty much, you uh, ghost wrote that thing. And uh, help, you know, prop you him up. shaped, okay. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about, Jimmy? I was talking about how much uh, Tom loves me no, and he invited me you, down. You started weekend. going off again. And Oh, yeah, like this guy, this guy's like, like, why didn't you talk? Well, give us a chance. We actually, like, listen, we are, we are people that believe in conversation. I talk mm. to everybody. Jimmy and I talk to, 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 to gays, uh, unbelievers, gays, uh, all, like uh, Arminians. Cal- like, like oh, don't we, let BJ Smalls know that. Uh, well, we don't talk to him because um, Tijuana Smalls. Smalls is a hateful dude, but everybody else uh, we we enjoy talking to, especially if we disagree, because yeah. I, we actually believe in the value of changing our mind. Like, listen, if, if I'm well, wrong, makes, I want to change my mind. Yeah. Well, the fact that you're willing to talk to anybody makes me feel very special. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, technically, we're only willing to talk to you because, because well, Johnny Mac was busy. No, we did. We did. We did call him. He couldn't do it. We tried. And Body, Body turned us yeah. down. Body said no. Bice was like, I don't trust you guys. Juicy Boosie said Juicy no. Boosie said no. Yeah. So you so were, you were fourth or fifth on the list. Yeah. Sorry, man. Hey, man. Look, I don't mind playing second fiddle. Most of the time, I'm not even in the orchestra. So, that's <laughs> so one of the things here that um, that you've that you've you've mentioned in our in our conversation is the rationale behind writing this thing like what what was your personal motive like yeah. i'm sure it's a diverse group of, of dude it's a, it's a super sure, diverse group right. of white men so let's i'm gonna treat well, you as one white men, uh, oh voties on men. there right see it yeah, craig mitchell and craig mitchell so white men and two and, black and, wait, 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 no wait, wait, listen wait, wait, don't interrupt yeah, my narrative I, I, i'm trying to spin a narrative here tom no spin zone. no spin zone go ahead all right we had a bunch of old white men Right, that that have crafted this article. No, uh, so like that's how the kind do you of, know some of them weren't identifying as women. Oh, see, I know, oh, I do, I do Tom. need, I do. Yeah, <laughs> you never know with John. So, oh no. So what I'm saying is, um, like that, that's why a lot of people are looking at this. They look at it, they look at the at the group, and they mm-hmm. go, they all have the same whatever, same motives, same whatever. And so I'm sure that there is yeah. a lot of overlap. But for you personally, why did you think this was so important to put out there? In terms of, let me ask it this way. Um, What was your motive and your hope? Mm, and and like really, that. the key idea is hope. What was your hope in writing that statement and helping to craft that statement? Yeah, well, um, I mean, my hope was that it would cause some folks to stop and consider what is being said, how it's being said, yeah. and whether or not uh, the, the direction that many of those driving the conversation are taking is, is healthy. And I believe it's not. Okay, good. And so, um, and is it fair to say that, you know, in your, like, you were hoping that this would be um, profitable for, for everyone? Like, you, I guess, I think people look at this, and, and I, I've actually got some, some questions about the way it's presented mm-hmm. um, that I'd like you to interact with. But it, was, it your, was it your hope, and, and, and to what degree did you believe that it would actually be a helpful conversation starter? Yeah, well, I hoped it would be, and I, I believed that it would be as well, at least with 
some people that I was already in conversation with. Okay. okay. Because these were the kinds of things that we were talking about. And whenever I would say, you know, some just basic thing, like this is the gospel, that's not the gospel. And they would say, well, duh, we all believe that. And I would say, but look at what this thought leader is saying, right. or look at what this thought leader let be said without comment or, you know, these types of things. And, and so I'm, I'm, my fear was that we are assuming a lot that we can no longer afford to assume in this, uh, uh, sociological, theological climate. I think we have got to come back and say, here are the borders and we can go this far, no further. So, uh, well, I have one more question um, to, to go along with that. And then um, I think Jimmy's going to follow up, but uh, is it fair to say that your primary concerns that you are addressing and the things that are bothering you are theological, but that, Absolutely. but with that, there are also secondary uh, concerns that relate but are not maybe immediately the uh, theological that are more social. For example, and maybe it's all theological, but maybe not first tier theological. Mm. Maybe that's a better way to say it. So, like intersectionality, by the way, which I reject on you know philosophical grounds uh, but, um, uh, to start with. But you know, like intersectionality, um, it, would you say it's possible for a, for a believer to believe in intersectionality? Uh, and be oh, a healthy sure. Christian, um, but you know it, it's it gets increasingly difficult to be a healthy believer if your if your belief about humanity or the gospel itself goes so far you know out the you know off of the biblical page that um, you're beginning to I guess more loosely and more loosely hold orthodoxy right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And it is theological for me, but ideas always have consequences. Right. And so where your theological commitments uh, are laid out, there are going to be implications mm -hmm. for good and or ill. And I do think that uh, beyond the, the pure theological concerns are some implications that people are, or at least I'm seeing differently than those who seem to be advocating these philosophical positions that I disagree with. Uh, are seeing, for example, you know, man, I mean, I hate racism. I've got a long history mm -hmm. uh, in my family mm -hmm. with uh, racial tension and issues. And you know, I've got lots of stories according to uh, some of my ancestors. Uh, well, I mean, there's no doubt I'm, I'm one quarter Syrian and I've been told I'm one eighth American Indian, one eighth uh, African American. You know, so I, this has been a part mm -hmm. of my family's uh, and anybody who knows you, Tom, I'm just going to go and say this. Anybody who knows you knows your heart and your life yes. as it relates to the issues of race and, and equality uh, and all of that. So I just I just want to double down to say uh, mm -hmm. Tom is uh, Tom is, is a lover of, of all people, of all neighbors, mm -hmm. and is not in any way, shape or form keep, against. Tom, yeah, Tom is down with minorities. <laughs> So no, I mean I, I mean well, you, we mean that seriously though because I I know you and when there's a when there's a hint of oh now now it comes out it's like you know yeah. the, the implication is either whether it's by virtue of associating with somebody that they somebody that they perceive to be more off page mm -hmm. on the race issue than you uh, I just, I don't I get defensive about my friends I do but go, please go ahead Tom yeah. sorry that that's kind of you know you may have just lost a bunch of friends by saying that. But what I'm going to do is take your words and turn them into a meme. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But, but here's the thing. I, I think that some people wanting to help are actually doing great harm. 
No, that can happen. Folks, yeah. Yeah. They say that, yeah. 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 I think that's happening on uh, the issue of women. I think it's happening on the issue of the uh, uh, homosexual, LBGTQ+. And I think it is, is happening in some ways on the racial issue as well, that you know, we want to help these. We want to protect them. We want to lift them up. But the mechanisms that you're employing are guaranteed to keep them down and are guaranteed to keep from them what would be most helpful. I mean, when you start telling homosexuals that they can uh, maintain their homosexual lust and be faithful Christians, you, you're damning them mm-hmm. in essence. You're taking the gospel, the only thing that can help them, away from them. And I, I know it's all done in love. It's all done with good motives. But those good motives will take people to hell if they are not chastened by the word of God. And so I, that's what I'm seeing. Right. So, Tom, I, I, part of what the follow-up I wanted to kind of ask and kind of push on was uh, I love the motives. I think the heart behind it. Uh, I understand the desire to to kind of help and to start the conversation so I think along those lines, I think uh, for me personally, uh, one of the one of the things about it that uh, concerned me was the act of you know gathering signatures. Uh, it felt like, at least for me, uh, it felt like uh, rather than a converse, conversation starter, um, it was more about drawing a line and gathering teams. Um, and I, I obviously you know that that's me you know, uh, reading sure. possibly, you know, reading into things. And so I guess I just want to know the, uh, I guess I would like clarity on the rationale behind asking people to, to sign the statement on, uh, because as I look at, it, I'm like, well, is this helpful or is this hurtful? Um, mm-hmm. and so just seeking clarity in that. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I thought much about it, uh, going into it on that aspect. It was just, uh, I don't even know who came up with it or what but anyway the idea was okay we have a place for people to sign it mm-hmm. and other statements have done that obviously you know the nashville statements yeah such. yeah so I, I wouldn't oppose it but i'll tell you something i think is very very good that's come out of it is uh it, it's easy to ignore people whenever you can marginalize them and say well these are just the you know the, the kooky cousins that we have in the family and you just kind of acknowledge that they are but you don't really pay attention to them or listen to them mm-hmm. And I mean, that has been done, was being done. And uh, there were people who tried to talk us out of releasing the statement. Uh, you know, I was told, well, uh, this is before it went public at all. You know, the, the list of signatories is very unimpressive and nobody's going to pay attention to it. Mm. And it's just not going to get any traction, which, you know, quite honestly, I didn't care. I mean, I really didn't care. But yeah, if you're right, it doesn't gave- matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was my attitude. But I have been blown away by the number of people who have signed it and uh, some of the folks who have signed it. And we've been contacted, I have, and others that have been a part of this have reported being contacted by a lot of people saying, man, we agree with this. We're in tough spots right now. We're, We're in this institution. We're in this organization. I'm under this employment and I just can't sign it. You know, and that's between them and God. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've said to many of my friends, this is not a test of fellowship with me. You know, if you don't sign this, I'm not going to change one thing yeah. I think about you. Uh, but the fact that people have come out and signed it, the fact that, that Ligonier Ministries has come out and signed it as a ministry, uh, I mean, that's significant. That, that that's, tells you. I've missed that. That's that's the most yep. significant. Because honest, I'll be honest. One of the things that I've, yeah. I've I just noticed as I because I haven't gone through all the signatures mm-hmm. is you know after the initial fifteen or whatever, um, like I didn't see anybody like I, very very few 
like notable, you know, broadly known like people that I would be like, mm-hmm. wow, like like here's a seminary president or here's yeah, a, yeah. you know, right. here's a well-known author. I didn't see a lot of that. I, very, very little, if yeah, any. Yeah, but yeah, you're saying Ligonier. I mean, so so yeah. So who? Ligonier. So Ligonier. That's that's a that is a that is definitely a very big. It's statement. a big yeah. deal. And mm-hmm. what it does is it, it signals much that's been going on that hasn't been out in the public, that's been under the surface. And again, I, you know, I could write a book on the emails and phone calls conversations I've had with people who are suffering under the the nonsense that's going on in the name of. Uh, a lot of the branches of so-called social justice. I mean, professors at respectable institutions, employees of well-known organizations, uh, people in churches, pastors that have, have watched their churches be infected by some of the stuff that's being uh, pumped out from some of these institutions and organizations and things have blown up. I mean, it's crazy. I don't think I should tell you any of those specifics. No, no, sure. of course, of course. In, we'll wait till we hang, we'll turn off the mic. Yeah, so exactly. It'll just between yeah. you know them, God, and Al Mohler. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I tell you, it is frightening. I mean, it is it is uh, it is something like you, know, you would expect out of places of you know secular institutions. Let me just give you one example: one Bible college or a Christian college. Mm-hmm. Uh, been in contact with several professors from there, and they have a walk of shame that their white students are to go through in order to get in touch with their white privilege. Uh, I've been told there's one, at least one other academic, Christian academic institution that has something similar. They don't call it that. It's something similar. I mean, this is taking place. So, and again, like these are all issues that like I love to explore you know, I, I said yeah, on a recent yeah. episode, Jimmy and I both, I think, believe that depending on how you define white privilege, we can say it's a real thing or it's total bogus. It's it's not a real thing. It really yeah. depends on how you define it. Um, and so we, I know we can't go down all of those rabbit trails. Maybe we can have you back on for, for some of that. Oh, I'd love that. I do think they they are important. But um, but to what degree do you think it's, it's helpful to um, to explore one's own as a nation or whatever, uh, one's own history of failure. Um, to what degree do you think that that is helpful? And, and how is that, how can it be beneficial and how can it turn harmful? Well, I don't think we should be afraid of the truth uh, wherever it may lie or lead us. So if you're studying history, if you're wanting to understand the history of your nation or the history of your family or your own personal history, be honest. You know, I, yeah. I think that's fine. I mean, the danger, it's not just fine, it's necessary. I, mean, I don't think we should ever compromise with the truth. The danger is when we start making uh, judgments based upon that honest assessment and, and go to uh, un necessary and even uh, uh, faulty conclusions from it. Right. You know, that's happening a lot right now, quite honestly. If you want to, you know, I've I've discovered and started reading Shelby Steele in the last year. Okay. Who is just brilliant. And I I commend his book, White Guilt. It is one of the finest treatments I've read that has given me clarity about what the 60s did to us on this whole racial issue. Mm -hmm. And and not just that, but also war, also on, on climate uh, economics. I mean, it's just, he's just, he's brilliant. 
and he lived through it and he's an African-American guy. And so he's writing from that perspective. People will look at, for example, example, demographics in uh, the black uh, community today in America. And they'll say, well, we had slavery you know, for 400 years or 300 years. We had slavery and we had Jim Crow and then we had the Civil Rights Act and Voting Act. And we still are now dealing with all of the wickedness of those things. And that's why the black family is in the condition it's in. Well, Thomas Sowell, Shelby Steele say, no, not quite. Go back and look at what the black family was like up until the early mid sixties. Mm-hmm. Look at what the black family was like in terms of employment, in terms of uh, the uh, marriage rates in the early 20th century. If you're going to blame those causes, you're going to have to look at something far closer to the results than what is often uh, flooding the narrative today. So I do think honesty is important, but once you look at the honest reality of what has been, and you start to extrapolate and say, therefore, this is why things are the way they are now, and this is what has to be done, don't just accept people. Don't, don't expect people just to stand by and say, oh, okay, you got your facts right historically. Therefore, the argument you're making about what is and what ought to be this has to be infallible. It's not. And it needs to be challenged. and It needs to be questioned. Mm. And whenever you get offended because somebody does question or challenge it, I think that reveals uh, far more of what's going on than just trying to have an honest assessment of uh, reality. Mm. So um, as, as this thing is playing out mm-hmm. and the way that it's played out, and you look at the statement and what was articulated uh, signatures. I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm at. I, I think the signatures, I, I, I get why I don't like the idea of signatures. I get the value that you articulated to say, Hey, it lets people know that it's not just, you know, a bunch of unknown racists, you know, in your, that you might imagine. Right. Uh, so I get the value of that. I still don't like the idea of asking for signatures. Um, I, I, cause I, I, I don't, and I don't know that I have a better way yeah, I to can't bring think this of a forward, way, to be honest, yeah. uh, but that would be my desires for like, is there is there a better way? So that's just maybe that's kind of fueling this question. But in looking at how this is played out, because I'll be honest, I've heard people that are for the statement and against the statement who are saying stupid things about the other people, yeah, like really yeah. stupid, unchristian things. And uh, right. I think the best thing would be for me and Jimmy to smack them around a little bit. But anyway. Um, in looking at how this has played out, would you have done everything that you've done so far with this uh, statement in the same way, or would you have made any changes, or would you have done anything differently to be even more effective? Personally, I mean, I, you know, I, I got into this personally when when we met in Dallas. I think it was June nineteenth or sometime around then. You know, the, none of us had ever been in the room together, right? And you know, people talk about, well, yeah, you're just a bunch of old white guys. Um, <laughs> There, there was a lot of diversity in that room, mm-hmm. regardless of the color of our skin. Sure. And, you know, and that's what another thing people you know, diversity seems to mean only one thing today to people. And there's all kind of diversity. So uh, it was interesting to be with brothers, some of whom I knew and many of whom I did not. But, you know, all of whom I, I had uh, some reason to, to respect or have grown to respect and to listen to them. If I were doing this by myself, yeah, it would be a different statement. You know, if I were just writing this for Tom mm. Askell, it'd be, you know, it would say things differently, no doubt, but it's a consensus statement. It's bringing people together who do have quite a bit of, uh, of difference in the way we uh, work out our theological constructs. 
and the way that we would even try to implement uh, some of the uh, ethical requirements of those constructs. So the fact that we all came together and could come up with a document that was a consensus that we could all agree to, I think was in one sense, very healthy. I'm not a big signer of documents either. I mean, I just don't, I, you know, I just don't do that. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of odd for me to be involved in this kind of effort, but given what was going on and what I've come to in my own thinking over the last year and a half, couple of years, and given where we were, I don't know of any alternative that could have been better. I mean, we, you know, I, I personally reached out trying to have conversations with people, ask questions. It was just ignored. Right. And I'm not the only one mm. in that room that had that experience as well. And so one of the things that has happened is that this issue is not going to be ignored anymore. And those who were just driving the train and saying, look at this, well, we're just we're going down this road. This is so good. We're just all celebrating all the great things that are happening are finally being uh, called to pause and acknowledge, you know what? There's a whole bunch of healthy, serious minded evangelical churches and church leaders who are not convinced and have great concerns. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to keep going that way, you're not going to be going with us. We're, we're not riding that train mm. and that, that needs to happen. One of the, one of the things, and maybe it's because of where Jimmy and I pastor, um, but our congregation is very diverse. Uh, we have people mm -hmm. that voted for Hillary. God help them. Mm -hmm. uh, we have people that voted for Trump. Yep. MAGA. God, God, God help them. And we have people that voted independent. God help them. Uh, so it's like we have a, a very diverse group of people, but here's what we know. We know, you know, however misguided a decision might be uh, in reality, that everyone is trying to follow Jesus. I mean, mm. we really do believe that. We think they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to make sense of it. And I think that goes a long way when we're listening to the other side. Yeah. Right. If, yeah. if I can understand why they are, are, are viewing it something the way that they do or articulating it, if I can actually, you know, um, restate their view in a way that they can affirm, right? It's, right. it's, it's like, it's like Leighton flowers. Hey, Hey Leighton, we love you, bro, but you cannot state Calvinism. Okay. You you cannot summarize Calvinism. <laughs> you stink at summarizing Calvinism. You're terrible at it. Um, so that's why we will always say like, you know, you're, you're we, we can't agree. We, you, cause you cannot yeah. do it. And maybe I couldn't do it if I had to restate um, dispensationalism, maybe my prejudices would come out, mm -hmm. but we need to be able to understand opposing views so well that we can, you know, state them in a way that they, our opponents would say, yes, that is exactly what we believe. Okay. And then we understand it and then we go from there. But why is there so much heat on both sides? I don't think it's just one side. Yeah, yeah. Why is there so much heat where it seems like a lot of people, like if you if you can't sign that statement, then you're not a Christian. It's like what? That's yeah. just crazy. And we, I mean, we even saw comments like that on on our posts about yeah. it. People saying if you can't sign this, I mean, you know, if you you better have a darn good darn reason good for reason signing. for not <laughs> being evangelical. <laughs> like I know I, like, I know Tom's not going to hate me if I don't sign it. Like I know Tom and I are going to be brothers. We'll break bread. Uh, that it's not going to be. An and issue. I mean, I'm going fishing next weekend with Tom. Oh, We're going to go catch the marlin. You don't even know how to fish. <laughs> I know how to fish. <laughs> to We're going to troll. Okay, yeah, trolling. That's what you. <laughs> that's do. what. That's <laughs> what Tom and I do. We. Troll. That's what BJ Smalls does. Is he no, trolls. no, no, no. Tom, He's a troll. Tell him, Tom. So. Um, so I, I think that that's really important that, you know, that we work hard to understand. Um, what is something that you would want your opponents 
of the statement. They're not your opponents, but what would you, what would something that you would want the opponents of the statement yeah. to know about you or about the writers of this statement? What are some things that you think are really important that maybe are misconstrued? Uh, well, I don't even know. I mean, I, I don't even know how to answer that. I mean, the, I'll give you, I I'll give you one example. Okay. If you need one. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, let me go to my notes. Hang on. I actually, uh, oh no, I'll, I'll bring up the, the statement. Here we go. All right. So when we walked through it, we actually tried to be, we really did try. Maybe we didn't do a good job. We tried to be fair in our reading of the statement while having fun. Um, here's a statement on, on racism. Which, you know, actually, you know, while you're looking that up, uh, I know that Dr. Moeller, you know, when he was talking at the chapel there, um, I know that section itself was one that he had that caused pause for him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so uh, we deny that systemic racism is in any way compatible with the core principles of historic uh, evangelical convictions. Bada bam. That's so good. We deny that the Bible can be legitimately used to foster or justify partiality, prejudice, or contempt toward other ethnicities. Very good. And again, it's like you have to say legitimately, right? Like it's very right, carefully absolutely. worded. We deny that the contemporary evangelical movement has any deliberate agenda to elevate one ethnic group and subjugate another. Uh, and we emphatically deny... Now, this is the, here's my question. We emphatically deny that lectures on social justice are as vital to the life and health of the church as the preaching of the gospel and the exposition of scriptures. Of course. Like, you know I'm going to agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's, I think it's so well said. But I, I think uh, people read this, and maybe they don't read it carefully or fairly, and they think, oh, okay, so lectures on social issues are not helpful. And lectures, therefore, like when we when we engage in something like the abolition of abortion or slavery or whatever, like that's not valuable. Could you just speak to that? Because I think your perspective on that might help some of our listeners mm -hmm. who um, who really don't like this because we have listeners on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, I think you talking to that issue might help. Yeah, well, um, it, it needs to be taken for what it says and not for what it doesn't say. Right. And that, that's fundamental. I would hope everyone would treat my words that way. I they're not going to do that, Tom. Yeah, they're yeah, not, not going to do yeah, that. Yeah. Even Stop. though you said <laughs> as vital, you're, you're too people, nice. don't read the, no. people don't see the as vital. <laughs> well, but I mean, I, that's, I, I'm, I understand that quite well, but I can't, <laughs> I can't make people, uh, I can't, I can't answer questions that are not legitimately raised by what the words actually say. So I, you know, I might be doing that all my life. However, I, I can say this, you know, there, there are, uh, well, there are groups or churches that have MLK day where they read his speeches, you know, on their Sunday services. I mean, I, I think that's kind of not helpful. You know, I, I would agree. That that's a, not a good idea. Yeah, I would agree. So yeah, that's not the preaching like of the that. word. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, to study MLK and the impact he's had on this country and how God used him. Yeah. Praise God. God. Mm -hmm. God used Cyrus. God used Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I you know, praise God for all the ways that he's worked in history. And you can look at his providence and, and rejoice in it. So the, the concern all the way through this thing is to protect the gospel. And that's mm -hmm. all that this statement does as well. Protect the gospel. The gospel alone deserves the pride of place in any kind of evangelical congregation. And I think what's, you know, even for me, uh, inconsistent, not, not, you, Tom, or the statement, but the same people that would be upset, you know, uh, I think some people, they, they like, I, I think the frustration for me is like when we have pledge of allegiance 
Sundays. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. it's the same, we're talking about the same thing here, right? Uh, and, th- and I think that's what we're in agreement on is that Sunday morning gathering is for the proclamation oh. of Scripture, the proclamation of the Word of God to the people of God. Yeah. To the glory. Yeah, we're of God. not going to be. We're not going to be singing "Make America Great Again" anthems in our church. Well, not every Sunday. Okay? Not, not every, yeah. It's got to space it out. Any church should do that. Okay? <laughs> right. I don't think any church should do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, people get upset. I mean, it's it's the same thing though. Joe and Jimmy, you get we face this. You know, some Calvinists will read First John two two. And they'll spend more time saying what it doesn't say than they'll say they do <laughs> yeah. what it does say. Calvinists are sometimes <laughs> afraid to use the language of Scripture. Exactly, They're afraid you know? to do it. Like, that's just that's just crazy. So, you know, I mean, it, he's propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins or for the whole world. Okay, John wrote that. Spirit inspired that. I'm not embarrassed by that. Right, exactly. But I'm not going to try to take it and say, well, what John really means here is. No, mm-hmm. just take the words for what the truth. Treat other people's words the way you want folks to treat your words. Right. That's what I would just appeal for that. So, for the record, do you believe that? Uh, for the record, because this is for a, the this is uh, we are journalists, Tom. <laughs> oh, yeah, here yeah. we go on the record, no spin zone. So, um, do you believe the church should have a prophetic voice uh, in the culture on on issues of justice? Absolutely. Yeah, that's. I I just wanted you to say it because I know you do. Yeah, I, I know yeah. you do. But like uh, people, we, I, I mean, listen, we are in a hyper tribalized culture mm-hmm. right now it is crazy it is it is at times hilarious and at times just depressing and yeah. sad yeah um and so i i i want there to be conversations i want us to be able to talk and i want people to be able to say hey this is um this, this is my perspective and i don't hate you because of this but this yeah. is this really does matter mm-hmm. and and i think you need to agree with me so let's talk about it. i don't know why we can't do that without completely demonizing uh, a person or deifying uh, a person. Well, part of the reason we can't is because of the very things that we are trying to warn against in this document. It's the very way that our conversations are being shaped and you have power. Therefore, anything you say is just a power play and I don't have power. Therefore, anything I say is automatically legitimized. I mean, that's where yeah. we are today. No, I, I, I hear you. And listen, yeah. like, listen, we, Jimmy and I are never afraid to say what our perspective is. We like to let other people talk, um, you know, and so like, I don't think that racism is everywhere. I, I, I just don't. I don't think I don't. I, and, I, and I don't think hey, that. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean by do you think that, that America I, has a systemic racism problem? Systemic that you've got to define that word because systemic would mean that it is so embedded <laughs> in the government that um, that there is not. I mean, there, there is no yeah. possibility of equal opportunity. Um, yeah, because uh, exactly because and that you could be a racist. I mean, you, you probably are a racist, though you don't even know it because you participate in the system. Yeah, it's like okay, listen. I hate racism. Um, I, I I and I I, I hate abuse. So there's, I hate. Injustice, I, I genuinely do. Not enough, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are some mm-hmm. forms of injustice that I'm probably more okay with than others, if I'm being honest. Right. Um, especially when it comes to like the torture of a terrorist. Eh, I'm probably okay with that, which is, no, which is bad. It's a bad thing. It's a sinful thing. Yeah, it. we pray for Joe. Pull on off that. those toenails. Don't care. I had mine pulled off, so I, other people can have it done too. Anyway, a long story. Um, what I would say, though, is like, so I, I think we need to be unafraid to say, like, listen, I, I don't think. I don't. I, I don't think a white man, a white straight man's perspective, is any less valid than um, than a a, 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 a black 
uh, gay woman's perspective. I, I, I think that you know our perspectives yeah. are are just that they are perspectives, and they either ref- they either correspond to truth and reality or they don't. And so let's just deal with people as individuals and deal with their arguments. Mm. So I, I think I think we need to be able to say stuff without fear of getting beat up. And maybe it's easy for me to say because I'm not going to get fired for that. Right. You know, I might, right. I might get fired for being a no, jerk, right. no. but I'm not going to get fired for that stuff. Whereas no, you're other not going to people- get fired for being a jerk because, uh, you know, it's happened a few times. I've been fired a few times? No, no, you've been a jerk. Yeah, I know. Well, eventually people's patience will run thin. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I want there to be, like we're I, what we'd like to do is we'd like to have somebody else on to talk to them about their problems with mm-hmm. uh, with this statement and, and to hear them. But, but Tom, what like, do you have? Because like, I don't know if you listen to our podcast. Did you listen to our podcast, Tom, on, on the on this issue? Yeah, I did. I, I didn't get all the way through it. But oh, oh, so you didn't listen got, to it? Okay, I got, you tripped, didn't up, to I got it. tripped up on the comments, you know. So <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Hey, when I asked you if you could do anything over again, that's what you should have said. More yeah. consistent use of the Oxford comma. Because somebody right. don't that's know right. what they're doing. Okay, so who, tell the truth, Tom. Who edited? Who who gave approval of the final? No, don't edit? do that to Tom. Go ahead. Don't it, do that to was Tom. It, yeah. Was it juicy? No, don't I mean, do that. It, it was juicy. Yeah, yeah. That's I okay. Know, juicy, boozy. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. It's all right. Hey, yeah. work on your comma work, it's, son. <laughs> so We actually sent it to Kate Turabian, and she signed off. <laughs> That's what you get for having a woman edit it. No, stop it, See Joe. what happens? Stop it, Joe. Jeez, no. No, I'll, I'll tell the truth. No, no. You I'll sent it to B&H Publishing. They edit it for that, you. And then, listen, B&H that, misses more, a lot. They miss a lot. There are more typos in B. They will never publish my book, They pu- <laughs> which is good because it means no, no, no typos. So many typos in B&H Publications. Um, okay, so can you offer uh, maybe uh, some, some words to people on – on, on your side of, of people that would sign this, could you encourage them? Because uh, some of them are, are, some of them you have to see that some of them are not behaving well. Yeah, they're pretty right. aggro. So it's not, not all of them, it's just some of them. What would you say to those people? Well, I mean, there are the radical fringe in any movement. And sadly, you know, sometimes the radical fringe have the loudest voices. And that's unfortunate. But I've, I've made it clear in several private conversations. I do not want to be identified with the loudest voices on Mm -hmm. our side that are in the radical range. That's, that's not me and I doesn't represent me. So that's don't, don't take those words and apply them to me. I would also say that, okay, those guys on our side, we're doing this because we believe in the gospel. We think the gospel is being threatened. We believe in the full authority, inerrancy, sufficiency of God's word. If that is true, then for somebody to tell uh, Joe and Jimmy, that if you don't sign this, then you know, you're suspect about your commitment to Christ. You've just denied the sufficiency of scripture that you say that you're advocating. Right. So we, we need to live by this very thing that we're calling people to. And that means there's going to be some differences of opinion. And we will have certainly many differences in terms of implication and application of the very things that we hold dear. And there will be some nuances. And there, there were in the room. I mean, there are in this document. As I said, if I were going to write myself, it would it would be different at, at some yeah. points. And that's something so that we wrestled with a lot. We, we, we kept saying like, listen, if, if, if I was writing it, I would say things differently. Yeah. That's a given, right? Yeah. That should be a given sure. because sure. It, it's, it, it's not, it's a group presentation. Exactly. Just, why, like, yeah, just like Tom said, it's consensus, right? it's like, yeah. I, I always hated group presentations because I always felt like, like in seminary, I could do better on my own than with these other guys in class yeah, working exactly. on my president. I didn't want to do it, but that, but you, but you work that we work that way uh, for a lot of, good reasons. Um, So I think that there is the the issue of, well, you could word it differently. And I think some of these issues are so complicated that the nature of the statement itself really can't 
deal with it. I mean, like when you're sure. when you're talking about like th- this issue of, say, for example, um, you know, sexuality, marriage, complementarianism, race, ethnicity, and racism. Like those are such complicated, big issues. You can only say so much in a statement like this. Mm-hmm. You're going to have right. an affirmation, and you're going to have a denial. So you, I think. We have to. We both sides have to treat this statement as it, it's. It's just that it is a statement. It's not everything right. that can be said or should be said. So right. I think we need to. We need to both treat it for it, it with uh, with some generosity. Yeah, uh, with some graciousness. Recognizing like it's not. It can't say everything that needs to be said, and that's okay. It's okay that it can't say. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. needs to say. I may not want to yeah. sign it because I don't think it says enough, um, or because I, I don't like the idea of signing it. I think because of the division issue, but. Again, like we said, like there's, I mean, goodness, the, uh, the the most important sections in this we had nothing to say because it was so, yeah, like you know, so good. And then the other parts that we where we talked about it, it was like, well, okay, so some of these things are are they're really complicated, and we might just want to have to word things differently. Yeah. But we, I think, everybody can treat this thing more graciously than and and maybe more. I don't know if the word is graciously, but both sides, some people on both sides tend to treat this thing. As if it's attempting mm-hmm. to say more than it can. Yeah, and so exactly. t- yeah, Tom, as you're as you're, as I'm sure you've been kind of you know, uh, and if you can't think of one off the top of your mind, you know, I understand that Tom can think of one off the top of his head. Don't, no, I'm not going to challenge him. him. No, he I'm can not do it. Hold Go. him to that. But I mean, as you've been kind of you know reading through people's comments and and responses, uh, is there anyone in particular like you know what? This is a pretty fair critique of the statement. Well, that's a good question. Maybe there hasn't been one. I don't know. Well, I, you know, there, I'm sure there have been, but I'll tell you what I've overwhelmingly seen is that uh, the statement has been criticized because of, of who it is that brought it forth. Mm-hmm. One, that's been a biggie. We've seen that. Because of what it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't say this, or because the, the very worst possible reading, or at least a bad reading, is put upon the words rather than reading it graciously. I mean, good night. Mm. You, you guys have put enough words out. You know, people can take you in the worst light right. and then find multiple reasons to reject what you're saying. Or they can yeah. give you the benefit of the doubt, which love, I think, requires that we try to do that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I've had some good interactions uh, with guys. But before the statement came out, as I was still trying to you know, get my mind around a lot of this stuff, uh, B.D. Anubuele had written a couple of articles during the MLK that you know cr- created quite a dust storm. And, you know, I was put off by some of the things that he said. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a response. I sent it to him. We, we had some back and forth in emails. And I, you know, I love him, respect him deeply, and was helped by him. You know, he, he helped yeah. me with the way I was thinking. He recommended some resources that have been beneficial to me to consider you know, ideas that I hadn't considered before. So that was great. But that has been the minority report. I mean, overwhelmingly, you know, that's not been the, the standard case. So I don't even engage most guys. Right. Um, so let it go. Well, I have I have one more question. I don't know if Jimmy has is is any more. No, so good. I asked, you know, what you would say to the people on on who signed it that are, you know, going all rabid. What would you say? What would be your pastoral counsel to people who don't like the statement? And are over like I don't think we're overreacting to it. And if we are, Tom, you, you press in, tell us that mm-hmm. you know we're being big baby heads. That's fine, um, and it, I'll blame it on Jimmy. But if but I think for those that are overreacting to this statement, what would be your pastoral counsel to them? Good well, question. Same thing. I'd say, look, 
give the benefit of the doubt. Doesn't love require that we hope all things? And so you got at least some guys. I'll, I'll grant that uh, overall it's an unimpressive list of signatories. Let's let's grant that. But you do have a John MacArthur who love him, hate him. The guy's got a fifty-year track record of faithfulness, and he's he's done much that is good in the, for the kingdom. And so he deserves to be heard. He deserves to be given at, at least a, a fair hearing on these things. Uh, you have a Vody Balkum who, good night, you know, his story is so great and God's used him in wonderful ways. And he has stood against the grain in many of the circles that he has found himself in over the course of most of his life. He deserves to be heard. You, you have Ligonier Ministries now mm-hmm. with the, the longstanding faithful record on high that that ministry has done. And they have seen this as an important and timely document uh, to the degree that they actually affixed their name to it. So doesn't that deserve a hearing? You know, if you're going to dismiss the document, at least do so with sufficient pause to recognize that there are some faithful brothers who see these things clearly enough to come out publicly and say these things. So I would think humility would dictate that I need to stop and listen and, and just think about it. May not agree. That's fine. But don't have a, a knee jerk reaction that just dismisses it out of hand to do that. Yeah, it's more yeah. commentary on the person who does it than it is on the document itself. That's really helpful, Tom. Um, you know, I, well, if you don't know, if you can't tell, we love you. We value you well, as, that, as, a, as, as a pastor, as a friend, as a theologian. You're, you're, listen, uh, all the guys that were on that team, uh, there are guys that I'm like, eh, you know, I like, I, I like some of what he, Like MacArthur has had a great influence on me. I think he's just too cranky. And that's just me being honest. <laughs> uh, that guy needs to chill. But, but like you're a guy, like I think you are chill. I really do. And I love you and I appreciate you and your family. It's just been so awesome to me over the years. So um, – uh, I, I appreciate your words and I appreciate your efforts and your ministry. I'm really grateful for you. And I, I'm so thankful that you took the time uh, to talk to us about this. Um, I did have, as we're, as we're going out, mm-hmm. um, if people want to follow you on, well, let me ask you this. What is your, let's be honest, what's your favorite Christian podcast mm. hosted by two cigar smokers? Can you tell us what that would be? Yeah, can you let us know oh, that, man. Tom? You and Donna, be, what, what, be what, what, what podcast do you and Donna listen to? I mean, what podcast I mean, is the best with two guys that smoke cigars? Including Doctrine and Devotion? Yeah, you'd have to include Doctrine and Devotion. Have to include, okay. Yeah, it would, it would have to be Doctrine and Devotion. Oh, there we go. Tom, that's so good. Oh, we'll man. expect you to leave a five-star honest review um, <laughs> on iTunes for us. On that. Now, Tom, if people want to follow you on social media or unfollow you on social media because of your uh, racism, uh, how can they do that? Uh, let's see. On what social media, I'm, t- I'm Tom Askell. Well, hang creative. on a second, Tom. I'm oh, sorry. Stop it. Is it at stop Tom it. Askell? At Tom Askell. You don't it. have a number in there? Stop. You don't have like an underscore 63 in there? <laughs> I don't just, have underscore. You, it's there like, is you, no underscore. You put numbers, you put numbers in your <laughs> stupid handle so, so nobody can remember it. No, they can remember it. Okay, it's so at, 63. At, okay, nobody knows that. At Tom Askell. Follow Tom. And Tom, your book... Uh, where you opened up a can on traditionalism. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> you're, you're so Tom. nice. It's not a can of, of you know what. It, but I just, oh, it was so good. We so loved it so good. much. We're so, so grateful. Good. And by the way, by the way, founders turned it up. Oh, goodness. 
Founders turned it up. up was that game. like a, a year or two ago? Founders, <laughs> Founders is all, you know I love Founders. I've been I've been sure. a Founders guy since uh, what ninety four, ninety five, eighteen ninety four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, found, <laughs> founders turned it up, man. You guys are killing it with some great stuff. We love Founders, right. so we're thankful for that ministry. Everybody, check out founders.org. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, enjoy your Saturday. And uh, thanks again for, for hanging out with us. And let me just apologize now in advance for anything Jimmy might have said that, uh, that embarrassed you. <laughs> yeah, let Donna no, know, it's... you know, go ahead and prepare the room. I'll, I'll be in the guest okay. room uh, next weekend. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> looking forward to it. Sounds good. Uh, you know, if you guys want to join the conversation, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head on the website, DoctrineDevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com, and grab some gear. We've got the Doctor Devotion Conference happening next year. What is it, Joe? May third, third and fourth. Yeah. Oh man, it's gonna be great. We've got Doctor James Hamilton. Biblical theology. Biblical theology. It is going to be amazing. So uh, head on to the website slash conference and register today. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content when available. Later. Mm-hmm.